Welcome to episode 30 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAct.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I go on heists and cat crusades while battling titans and hobbling humanoid hamburgers. How are you doing tonight, Trevor? I'm doing good. Sounds like some fun cat quests and titan battling fun this week. <laughs> it's a mix of everything this week. It's a, it's a good week. Yep, and we're getting closer and closer to that eventual iPhone event. Right now, it seems like September 6th is the odds-on favorite, so get your angry tweets ready for that $1,000-plus iPhone. <laughs> yeah, I it, the 6th seems like it's the most likely, because normally it's on a Wednesday, and it's usually within that first 14 days of September. So September 6th seems like the best bet at this point, even though we st- it's getting close, like it's less than a month away and we still haven't seen the invites go out. The invites are usually two weeks in advance. So if we do have a September 6th, we should be able to talk about the invites next week. So you have to spend a few days analyzing the invite and coming up with the crazy, uh, your usual craziness. Yeah, and, you know, Apple, they've become more and more generic and boring with their invites. <laughs> There's, like, <laughs> nothing to grasp from them at all, but that doesn't stop me. Yeah, well, they've also been really loose with all of the information now. They used to be tighter on information trying to block the leaks, so I don't know. It's a different Apple. Yep, and so that we can kick down the road and talk about apps in the meantime. The first one is Fetch which is designed for expense reports, and it's really made it so expense reports are as easy as possible so you don't have to kind of put it off or miss out on reimbursement because it was too much of a hassle. And so the main idea is that you can scan in receipts. You just snap a picture with your phone, the receipt's scanned in, and you can set up the email of where you want to send your receipts and all your expenses to someone in your work environment. And so that way they have everything and are fully ready to reimburse you because they don't have to ask you for the receipts because you've already submitted them all digitally. Right, and it lets you choose the category of the expense, and it's it's a nice, simple, easy to use. Like, there's plenty of uh, receipt scanning apps out there, and some companies already have infrastructure for this type of thing. We use a certain app for ours that also has a web-based thing but this is a nice simple easy to use even if you're just using it for a single person and you want to just have a nice simple way to get everything recorded so you can submit it to whoever your person is even maybe you just have it emailed to yourself and then you pass these on to the correct person at your company but it's a nice way to keep on track of all this stuff and not lose your receipts and not have things go by the wayside and then all of a sudden you forgot to submit all this stuff and you never get your money back this is like a no-brainer it's like two taps and you're done yep and that's really all you could ask for for expense reporting because you don't want to have to deal with all that convoluted aspect and the receipt scanning is done relatively well and really you tap the plus button you pick either the camera or just entering manually and then you take the picture you select the category and it's sent off so it's about five taps to do the whole process 
Yeah, and you and it's free if you want to be like a solo user. Just you're doing this yourself, sending it to one location. Otherwise, they do have a per user uh, subscription fee, where like a company would take on this as their utility that they use for all of their expense reporting, and it's ten dollars a user. And you pay monthly, you can try it free for 14 days. But otherwise, if you just want to use this yourself, it's completely free and supposedly going to be forever free. So uh, definitely worth checking out if you're in the need for an expense reporting tool. And you can enter your mileage as well. And that's Fetch Expense Reporting. It's free and it's universal. And that means it's time for some new games. And the first one is Cat Quest, which I got to see at the Big Indie Pitch for GDC 2017, so it wasn't too long ago. Now it's available for everyone, and it's an action RPG that makes it as accessible and fluid as really possible. So all you are, all you have to do is tap and drag your finger to direct your cat across the landscape, and then the map has this whole tapestry view, and it's always in your kind of direction you get to fully see everything all the battles are conducted right in real time on the map as you would expect with an action rpg but it's done much more fluid it just everything is always constantly in motion in the environment directly on the map whether you're visiting a village attacking enemies or exploring new locations like caves and doing different side missions and then finally building your way up to take on big bad dragons all as you play as this cute little cat and that's what makes it so accessible it's just one touch but there's all kinds of varied layers to the upgrade systems activating magical abilities unlocking new equipment as you would expect in a traditional rpg yeah i mean this thing is massive it, you you can just go on tons and tons of seemingly endless supply of side quests i know there's it says there's 60 of them but it seems like an insane number of side quests and then as you go to all these caves and dungeons and various areas to explore within each of those you'll have all of these enemies to defeat you'll have treasures to open which give you new items to upgrade your cat with which will either buff like your health or buff your your armor or maybe your attack power and so there's all kinds of ways you can customize the cat as you go and you'll learn new magical spells which you can equip onto your cat where you drag in one of four directions so during battle Battle, you just tap on him, hold down your finger, and then you drag up, down, left, or right, depending on which one of these spells you want to cast, as long as you have mana to cast it. And then, bam, you either send out fiery explosions or lightning, and they do massive amounts of damage, or you can even heal yourself with one of the spells as well. And then those are upgradable as well. So there's always reasons to keep coming back, whether you're going on a new side quest or maybe you're just killing enemies within the main map area just to earn more XP and more coins. So maybe you can afford another upgrade, but there's just always something to do. And you can constantly keep on saving your place wherever you are. So that way, if you don't, if you happen to die, then you can pick up right where you left off and not lose your progress. There's tons of these locations all around where you can visit and you just basically go to sleep. And not only does it save your game, but it recharges your mana and your health. So then if you're about to go on a quest or even mid quest, you can do it. You have that boost of energy and, and life that you can continue on and hopefully defeat the bad guys. Yeah, they've done just such an excellent job. I love zooming out on the map and just seeing 
how huge it is. And then, you know, it's not a, oh, I clicked on the map and now I have to press the X button to go back to where I was. You're constantly just moving and interacting on the map. And there's those familiar kind of map details, whether it's the mountains or the forest, it kind of fits in with the tapestry view that they've created and it's just a fully interactive world without you having to transition over to the map and then going back to the world. It's always fluid and the only time you ever have a loading screen or change is when you go into a dungeon and then that's going to deliver a similar art style but a brand new view usually kind of a den or dungeon of various enemies to defeat and then it's really easy to activate those magical powers and then quickly jump back and forth. So when an enemy attacks, there's like a red circle around them and it shows like a little uh, radiating out kind of idea. So you can plan out your attack and then run away just enough to get out of their attack range and then back in. And so that's fluid within kind of quick combat, even though all you have at your disposal is really that one touch mechanic. Right, and even the enemies themselves each have, even though it's that same, you're going to run in and attack and run back, each of the enemies do have their own attack style. So there's ones where they radiate out and it's slower, so it gives you plenty of time to run out. Or there's other ones where maybe they only attack to the left and right, but you still have to avoid those because now you're going to have to make sure you're attacking them head on. Otherwise, if you're in their path, you're going to get serious damage. Other ones drop like these little spiked pits in front of you and if you're inside of it you're constantly losing health so you have to quickly run out of that and then run in when they get out of range of their own little trap to do some damage to because every time you attack you're also refueling your mana that's so once you cast some spells you're not going to be able to do any more until you actually go in and do some attacking but it's quick to re to restore some at least some of your mana. If you want to use that spell that heals you, it's going to require quite a bit more mana to to be able to cast that one. But if you want to use like your fire spell or your lightning spell, those are much quicker to to cast. So you might do a little bit of damage with your sword, and then massive damage with your with your spells, and just kind of keep on going back and forth, back and forth. But because of that variety in the way the other enemies attack it doesn't feel so repetitive over and over and over again because within a single cave or dungeon, you're going to have a wide variety of things you're going to have to fight. Yeah, since they all do have that different attack pattern, even some of them kind of replicate the magical abilities you have so you can be on kind of the receiving end of that power. And just there's so many different little things to appreciate from the fluid controls, the one-touch idea, the consistent map idea, the varied enemies and then just building your way up of it makes it so kind of simplistic to unlock new magical abilities or upgrade your armor or easily see how switching out different things impacts your character's abilities all these things are present they're not brand new but the developers seem to bend over backwards to make that as simple of a process as possible so people who would kind of be interested in the theme aren't going to be thrown off by the usual stumbling blocks of an RPG setup. 
Right, and there's also plenty of cat puns. If you like cat yes. puns, the the writing in this is fantastic. It's humorous, entertaining. That's going to drive you forward too, just because you want to see what the next weird little quest you're going to have to go on is, or the next little funny comment that one of the characters will make. Uh, it's just really, really well done. This came out of nowhere for me, and then all of a sudden I started seeing all this buzz this week after it launched, and then I knew I had to try it because it sounded phenomenally good and. It was definitely one of the big highlights of the week. And so that's Cat Quest. It's four ninety nine. It's Universal. And then there's Titanfall Assault, which is a spinoff of the console games Titanfall, Titanfall Two, where you have the pilots in those big mech suits to battle in. This game is fashioned not like a first person or third person shooter of those games. It's more of a top down real-time strategy game we've seen the style before it's not going to be brand new it's kind of like star wars force arena that we talked about a while back just with that titanfall theme and then it emphasizes player versus player battles and you have the similar setup where there's a countdown essentially timer that shows your kind of mana to be able to throw different cards into play. So you have your pilots that can go out and try to take smaller bases, and then you'll build up to be able to drag Titans into the battle. Your opponent's doing the same thing, and you get to see the skirmishes play out in real time, and then you're always waiting for your energy to build up enough so you can drag out another piece, whether it's a temporary boost like rocket grunts or a missile command or those big Titans and pilots. Yeah, I was I was excited to see this. This has been in soft launch for quite a while, uh, but I was a fan of the original Titanfall game. I never played the second one, but I was excited to. I knew it wasn't going to be like a Titanfall game, but just to revisit that universe. And I thought they did a nice job of capturing that. Where within these four minute battles, you do have to wait a minute for that Titan fall to happen. Now you can deploy this massive Titan out there that can do some serious damage. But in the meantime, you're constantly having to deploy those smaller troops and try to capture those bases in order to rack up the points to hopefully be the first to finish. And then you do have those two, your one little turret thing that's attacking all the time. If that blows up, then they go for your main base. But the one issue I had with this compared to like something like the Star Wars game was I thought a lot of the troops in this little mini school like view you have of your cards, they all look pretty darn similar. It's at least with the Star Wars characters, you kind of recognize those characters and you you get a better feel of what type of attacker they are versus these Titanfall things where you may not necessarily be familiar with the the characters and I just thought they all look very similar. I mean, they do behave differently once you deploy them, but I don't think it's as obvious when you're in the rush of a battle trying to just drag things out to know exactly what's going to do what. You're just kind of just fiercely dragging things onto the battlefield in hopes to stave off your enemy and capture those bases. Maybe that's just yeah, the, me. No, I, I definitely know exactly what you're talking about those little cards those little icons for the titans aren't obvious that one is a slow heavy armored kind of laser sniper blast and another one is a quick moving more of a machine gun kind of style it's not super obvious until you've played a few matches and even then if you switch out your cards or upgrade your cards it might change that icon even a little bit especially like you said 
your opponent is throwing things out at you, so you don't really have time. It's not like you're going to tap and hold and look at a little info panel. You're just getting it out into the battlefield. Right, exactly, yeah. And yeah, the and one kind of stumbling block for me, though, was it seemed every match that I played had the same kind of setup. I mean, there's the big turret that you're trying to get to and then ultimately destroy the opponent's base with the Alpha, Beta, and Charlie smaller bases to kind of take control of on your way. It didn't seem to change the actual map that you're playing on. Yeah, no, I got the same exact map every time. And then starting today, I seem to have trouble connecting to the server. I don't know if this is because it's becoming more popular. And then for I would say the vast majority of the matches I played today wasn't a problem when I played previously. But it seemed like the person I was playing against maybe dragged out one unit total. So I don't know if this was like a server issue, but there was like they weren't attacking at all. They would barely even send out troops or attack. I don't know if they just didn't know what they're doing or, again, a server problem. But it just seemed like I could completely easily just destroy them. And I, I won multiple battles 100 to zero uh, just right in a row. And this was after multiple attempts just trying to connect to the server. And I had problems just connecting. It would just start blinking at points. And then uh, it would just totally just fail to connect and then say I failed. So they're gr going through some growing pains, I think. But uh, it definitely something weird was going on today, at least. Yeah, that connectivity thing is always going to be a question mark. Though after a soft launch, you'd think they would iron that stuff out. I was just hoping the core mechanics would introduce more variability because the emphasis of the game is it's free-to-play. They want you to upgrade your units, unlock new units, get special boxes and canisters and all kinds of crazy stuff to proceed that upgrade. But if it's the same match set up every time, I don't know how many people are going to want to upgrade their units to just keep going into the same kind of thing and maybe be having it slightly changed based on who you play against. Yeah, no, they definitely need more maps. I don't know if it's just random luck of the draw, but I must have played at least 10 to 20 matches, and I got the exact same setup every single time. Uh, yeah, me too. So, yeah. It, I don't know if that's uh, how to get past that, but they definitely need more more map setups. And then uh, it seems like the type of game that the I don't know how how they do their matchmaking. So maybe it's it's avoided the way they do the matchmaking. But it seems like the the type of game where if you're willing to spend money to buy cards and upgrade your troops rather than just grind through it, you would easily plow over other people because your troops would be much more powered than other people. I think that's the problem with this type of game, no matter what. But I can definitely foresee it if they're not doing something to offset it in the matchmaking, see it happening here as well. And it would be cool just to play against friends, like actually have a friend list that you could play rather than always a random match. Right, yeah, I was I was looking to see if there's a way you and I could compete, but I couldn't find anything. It was just you either pick practice mode or you connect to the server and they'll give you a random matchup. Yep. And so that's Titanfall Assault. It's free, it's universal. And then there's Silly Walker, which has that kind of I am bread or Octodad kind of setup where you don't have direct kind of precise control over your character and you're kind of the main challenge is getting in tune with the control setup and then kind of dealing with it. And 
that is because you're playing with everyday kind of household items, walking across the house in different ways. It's not going to be like just a main person running around. You have a different idea. And so your character spins around clockwise and then you tap to place a foot. So your character is constantly spinning around and then you simply tap anywhere on the screen to place a foot and then you change the rotation back the other way and you try to walk the best you can. And then each level is going to have different objectives like you might have to kick soda cans or pick up sugar cubes on your way to the eventual exit point. And then they're going to throw in specific house kind of ideas like maybe the waffle iron's on and you have to go to the plug and take it out before you can proceed. But it's all built upon that idea of kind of manipulating your character the best you can with the control setup that you're given. Yeah, it's it, you're basically these like food items. So you start out uh, as like you're like a pineapple, a cupcake, or a hot dog, and you're moving across like the tops of the counters over plates and various things. So there's some narrow stretches where you really have to be careful of your walking. So it is so awkward to walk. Where I I thought for sure this had to be like a boss of studio title because it definitely has that I am bread or Octodad type feel where. It's almost frustrating, but a fun frustrating as you're trying to move this thing because it's designed to fight against you where it's supposed to be awkward. And that's the fun of the challenge of it. And so timing those taps, especially where you have like maybe a long stretch, you can try to hold down and quickly move. I think you might even be able to swipe to try to move fast in a certain direction once you're kind of lined up, but you have to be careful that you don't go too far. So what I normally do is just tap, 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 tap really quickly, and he'll keep on switching directions super fast. So that way you can kind of get almost a sort of straight motion, but you will veer one direction or the other a little bit. So you do have to be careful not to run off an edge, but yeah, it's just an exercise in frustration, but fun as you try and like tap to move them. I don't know. It's funny and weird. And I don't, it's definitely not something I would play a lot of, but I did have a fun time playing it for what it is. And you have to be in that right mood to play it. Otherwise, if you don't like things that are kind of frustrating in this way, you're not going to like this game. But I think if you get a kick out of that kind of stuff and just the absurdness of it, I think you're really going to find it kind of fun and funny. Yeah, it takes that really delicate balance from the developers to make it challenging and frustrating, but not to the point that a person deletes the app right away. And really, Silly Walks has kind of walked that tightrope and pulled it off <laughs> as well as could be hoped for. Very well, considering they walk really weirdly, too. <laughs> yeah, and also, you don't have to rush. There's no time limit on the game. There's no number of taps kind of restriction. You can take your time. You can have your character rotate around 10 times in place he's not going to just run off the side of the counter so that lets you kind of be a little bit more patient it kind of helps with the game not becoming too frustrating so if you do kind of get out of control or you're almost falling on the edge you can just take your hands off the screen take a breath and then get back into it and try to right the ship to make it to the eventual conclusion especially once tougher things come out like you have to go past meat hammers and cheese graters and various ideas and then the silly characters and the unlocking of silly characters helps with the longevity of the game 
Yeah, that's a great point. And I mentioned that there's no time limit because there are some long stretches. And once you get through, like when you reach that waffle iron plug and you unplug it, then you're like, whew, I just need a breath because now I know I got to walk back a whole section I just did and then back another direction in order to hit the exit. And on the way, I need to bump a few milk cartons or something. Uh, so, yeah, that is a, a very nice idea that they didn't put that clock in there, because I think that would have pushed me over the edge that if I had to race and beat a certain time to win, then I don't know that I would have continued trying. But the fact that I can take my time and pause mid mid level, even just because some of them are long and then finish it. That's a great, uh, great idea. Yep. And that's silly walks. It's free. It's universal. And then there's Power Hover Cruise, which takes on, hopefully you've played the original Power Hover game, where you're on a hoverboard and there's 35 specific handcrafted levels that proceed through a storyline where you have to collect these little power orbs to bring power back to the city. So Power Hover Cruise is built on that hoverboard idea, but rather than specific levels with an endpoint, they've turned it into an endless game with three different maps to play on that you're going to unlock as you go. And each one, they've really amped up the difficulty because Power Hover is more kind of like Zen style. You're going through these levels and there's more of a fluid kind of orchestra balance to nail that proper path through a level. In the endless game, they've amped up the challenge so there's moving lasers and kind of perspective shifting optical illusion challenges as you're going and it's really just fits that endless idea but it still maintains that fluid simplicity of just flowing back and forth to weave through the various obstacles yeah i never played the original power hover i think it was a, a paid title where this one is a free-to-play game but i really like that they it feels like a totally different game with each one of those three different level designs because that first one it's all kind of flat and you're moving you're avoiding obstacles left and right there's like enclosing uh caves there's lasers there's spinning objects that kind of get in your way where then you move on to the other two and now you have this rotational element to it where you're rotating either around a tunnel to avoid things that are coming up from the ground of the tunnel or you're rotating around other objects and trying to avoid barriers within like coming out of that particular object or maybe only part of that rotation is open. So it gives it a completely different feel when you're going from one to the next to the next. And then you'll have sections of the levels that because it's that endless style, they're just randomly selecting these various traps that they've set up. So maybe there's a total of 10, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but like 10 different distinct traps that you could you have to go through within one of these these locations well now you're going to hit them randomly so there might be one where there's a ramp there's one where there's diagonal lasers one where there's vertical lasers and you're going to get some random combination of these things some of them you're going to be good at some of them you're not going to be good at so depending on the luck of the draw you're either going to make it further or not if you hit one of these you just it's impossible for you to figure out how to get around this, but it forces you to learn these other types. And then maybe the next time you'll go through, you'll make it further and further. And there's little checkpoints within the, the, the entire map for each of these 
these sections where you unlock additional things. So at like, I think it was around 1700 or 1600, you unlock a new character and they have what maybe now they are, have the ability to take one hit and then they can continue on or, or something. So you're unlocking new things as you go, which is kind of nice and forces kind of gives you that reason to continue playing and try to score higher rather than just a typical high score that you can boast to your friends. And the three modes, like you said, are really distinct. You have that classic kind of power hover style when you're in the pyramid. And then there's more of that tunnel shooter idea where you spin 360 degrees within a tunnel in the underground level. And then you have almost that impossible style where you have a cylinder track and you rotate around the outside of it. So it's three very distinct games all within one setup. And then they give you that overarching kind of checkpoint setup. So as soon as you end, you see this long kind of progress bar and you got like a thousand meters and it goes like this huge amount of different unlocks as you go. So you want to go right back into it because you know you can do better. And then you also have something to shoot for, for each kind of plateau and tier along that check line. You know, which one of the ones did you like the best? I'm curious of the three modes. I think I'm just a fan of that classic power hover style because I've played that impossible and tunnel shooter idea so many different times and power yeah, hover is kind like, of distinct in its own. Yeah, I think I liked that one the best. I thought that was the easiest to do where that middle one, that tunnel shooter one is that was the one that gave me the most trouble. Just grasping onto the, the whole rotation and not hitting things. That was definitely the one that I struggled with the most. Yeah, you have to get into that flowing pattern either within the circle or on the exterior of the circle with those other two ones, while the other one, it's more just a classic left-right hoverboard kind of game to get into the flow. Though that pyramid setup, that optical illusion where you think the black part's clear, but it's actually a wall, I don't know how many times yes. that tripped me up. Even though I <laughs> I figured out what was going on, it still tripped me up so many different times. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yep, and so that's Power Hover Cruise. It's free, it's universal, it's a free kind of introduction to Power Hover. And if you do like this style, it probably will get you into that level-based story mode in the original Power Hover game. And then one last one I just want to mention, which is uh, one that I've been looking forward to because I, I had a early uh, beta copy of it. And Faro's Games, who released Paperback, the digital adaptation of their word-based deck building game, they which that app actually was updated this past week as well to add online multiplayer support. But now they've released a digital adaptation of their cooperative heist game called Burgle Bros. And... Basically, everyone loves a heist movie. At least I don't know anyone who doesn't love a heist movie. And basically, you are enacting out a heist. So you have a team of up to four characters. Each of these characters has their own little unique ability. And basically, what you're trying to do is navigate through each level of a multi-story building, find the safe within that level, crack the safe, and then once you crack the safe on both levels, get to the helipad the helipad on the roof and fly away. All your members of your team have to get up there and there's a guard on each level of the building that's walking around. And so what happens is each turn, 
there's a, like a four by four grid of tiles. You can't tell what any of these rooms are yet. When you move, you have a certain each character has a, a a certain amount of action points and you can use an action point to move. And so you move to to a tile that's maybe adjacent to you. And then if it's not or you can't already see what it is, you reveal that tile or you can spend an action to peek what it is. So, you know what it is before you reveal it. And then when you reveal it, you move on to that tile. Well, it could be something with an alarm, which will alert the guard to where you are, or it could be some other room where you're safe or a room that requires you to roll like a six on a die in order to just unlock the room to move into that room or any number of other rooms. And so you're basically going around trying to reveal all of the tiles, find that room with the safe. And then when you find the safe, you have to reveal all the tiles in both directions going off from that safe. So all the tiles in the same column and all the tiles in the same row in order to get all the numbers of that combination of the safe, which then you'll have to go onto that safe tile and spend actions to roll dice to get those numbers in the safe combination to unlock it. Well, after each one of the characters moves, like each single character moves, then the guard will move along his path. You can see what path the guard's going to take, so you know if your your character is going to be in his path. And if he crosses your path, then you have the stealth points for each character and once all three of their stealth points are gone if for some reason the guard then sees them yet again then they're captured and you lose the whole thing so there's all this planning you have to do where you're using these special abilities of these characters moving them around and utilizing each one's strengths in order to position them or maybe get another character out of the way so that the guard's not going to see them and utilize all this stuff along with items you'll pick up along the way that allow you to disguise yourself from the guard or help you to crack the safe better or other various items. But it's this whole tactical puzzle you're going through. And because you're controlling all four of the characters, you could do like a pass and play with someone locally if you wanted to have more of that cooperative game. But I love the fact that you get to control all these characters because you're planning everything out in your mind and trying to figure out how best to use them. There's nine different characters and each of them has different abilities. So you get to choose whichever characters you want to bring in. So it took me multiple attempts to finally beat the two floor level, the one where it's only two floors, other ones are three floors. And I have this great combo of people that I kept on trying, kept on trying. And finally I was able to utilize them in just the right way to be able to get them off the thing. And I, my last character was almost caught, but escaped through the doorway just at the last minute. And it felt like an actual heist. And so it is a great adaptation. I've never played the actual physical game, but it is so much fun to have this right on the iPad and be able to play it uh, anytime I want. I love the theme. How long do you think one kind of playthrough takes? It took me with four characters. I would say it took me maybe 20 to 30 minutes to play through. Somewhere okay. around that, maybe, yeah, somewhere around, I would say 20, 25 minutes, somewhere around there. But I was taking my time, thinking about what I wanted to do. Uh, if you just kind of went nilly-willy and just went as quickly as you could, you're going to risk uh, getting caught. But I really tried to take my time and utilize and think about every move that I wanted to make. This looks like a real good one. I didn't get a chance, but any kind of, 
like stealth game that then is fashioned into a board game sounds like a really promising idea yeah the the funny thing is i don't know if you're familiar with the uh pc game monaco that came out a number of years ago which was like a a heist game i guess the developers of that game uh tim fowers had approached them about turning their game monaco into a board game and they decided not to they're friends of his and he they decided not to go ahead with it he decided to make his own heist cooperative board game and now it's now a video game again so it's kind of come full circle in a way so it's kind of neat how this stuff all works out yep and so that's burgle bros it's 499's universal and i think that's everything for episode 30 yep that's all i got to everyone listening we hope you enjoyed and we'll talk to you next time talk to you later